come on. Hey, welcome, welcome. Who's fired up for baptisms today? Isn't that going to be so great? Today is my favorite day as a church because today is the day that we get to celebrate why we exist. Life changed through Jesus on Baptism Sunday. I'm excited. I'm so fired up today. But before we get too excited, I still have to preach the Bible. So go ahead and grab your Bible and turn with me to Joshua chapter one. And the sermon title today, week two of Joshua is Won't He Do? Do it. How many of you have ever heard that saying, won't he do it? I mean, it's been kind of for us a won't he do it week this week up here with the staff. I mean, just hearing stories of people signing up to be baptized. We started, there was 10 to be baptized and then it went to 11 and 12. And then last week, four more signed up. And by the end of the week, it was 17. We're like, come on, won't he do it? When there was people dedicating their children, I was just like, one, two, come on, won't he do it? I mean, we've heard testimonies at our first Wednesday prayer night of people being healed. And the response was, won't he do it? I got a message from one young woman in the church after first Wednesday prayer night. She texted me last year, her, her mother passed away and she had bitterness towards God. And through that prayer night, she, she received a word from the Lord of peace and of healing in her heart. And when she texted me that, I was like, come on church, won't he do it? God is so good. God is so gracious. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that we serve a God who loves us? Do you believe that we serve a God who cares for us? Do you believe that we serve a God who is always there for us? Maybe you don't, I guess. I don't know. Come on. You know, this is church, right? You can have fun in church. You can laugh. You can say amen. You can shout hallelujah. Just don't throw any things, please, okay? Uh, do you serve a God that is good to you? Do you serve a God who is gracious to you? Do you serve a God who is generous towards us? Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. And so that is what we're going to be talking about today in Joshua chapter one. Here we go. We're going to read it all up front. Y'all ready? Don't matter. I got the microphone. So sit there. Joshua one. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Mon, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people of the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Put that on a coffee cup. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, we just had child dedications, but let me ask you, how many of you parents have ever lied to your kids? Go ahead, raise your hand. You're in church. God's going to strike you dead if you lie, okay? All right, so I remember the first time that I realized I can't get away with lying to my kids anymore, right? We were grocery shopping and I, was, I had Esther in the basket. And when we walk into HEB, you know those sugar cookies they have on the front? 
You know those, those, those sugar cookies that are basically filled with crack, right? And so she sees them and she says, Daddy, I want a cookie. And I said, well, let's just go ahead and finish shopping first. And on the way out, I'll, I'll get you a cookie. And so we go and we load up everything and we're in the basket and we're checking out. And then we walk through the doors. And as we get in the car, Esther began crying. And she said, I'm like, why are you crying, baby? She said, daddy, you promised me a cookie. And I said, you remember that? I thought you would have forgotten by now. I mean, we've been in the store for like an hour and, and she did not forget. She wanted that cookie and she was gonna, she trusted that I was gonna give her that cookie. How many of you kids in the room right now, you're like, if my parent tells me I'm gonna get a cookie, I better get that cookie, amen? And so I had to go back in the store, go through the checkout line and buy the girl a box of cookies. And I, I tell you that story because, because for me, I'm not a bad dad, but I'm not a perfect parent, right? I do my best to be a, a good dad, but sometimes I lie to my kids. But how many of you know that we serve a God who identifies himself as a father? And our God is a good father, and our God doesn't disappoint or fail his kids. Our God is always good to us. And when God makes a promise, he is faithful to fulfill that promise. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. That's the big idea today, is that God is faithful to fulfill his promise. When you read through this first section of Joshua, what we see in the introduction is nothing but promises that God gives to Joshua. He says that I will be with you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I will bring you into the land that I swore to your forefathers. No man will be able to stand up against you. That you will go from the, from the Hittites to everywhere the sun falls, anywhere you place your foot, I will give that land to you. Do you know what those things are? Those are promises that God has given to Joshua. And I want you to understand something. When we read the Bible, the Bible is not written to us, but at the same time, it is written for us. What do I mean by that? It's not written to us, which means you can't go walk into, let's say, Chick-fil-A and say, God said, this is mine. I read it in Joshua 1.3. Anywhere I put my foot belongs to me. You can't go to your neighbor's house and say, this is my house now. I read that in Joshua 3, right? You can't do that because it's not written to you, but at the same time, it is written for us for us to know that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. That when God makes a promise to you, he will keep that promise to you. When God, he speaks to you, he will be faithful to fulfill his word in your life. There's hundreds of promises in the Bible. Promises such as, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Promise that he will give us peace that passes all understanding. James 1 says, if there's anybody who's lacking wisdom, let him ask God, and he will give him to you. These are all promises that God has given to us. And God is faithful in our lives to fulfill his promises. When God says he loves you, he means it. When God says he cares for you, he means it. When God says he is there for you, he means it. When God says he forgives you, he means it. When he says your sins are cast as far as the east is to the west, he means it. When God says that you have a new life in Christ and you have the old is gone and the new has come, he means it. When he says he goes to prepare a place for you, he means it because God is faithful to fulfill his promises. 
And so what I wanna do with the remainder of the time today is I wanna build your encouragement. I wanna motivate you. I wanna inspire you to hold on to hope, to hold on to the word of God, to believe like Joshua that there is a legacy that is waiting for you. A legacy is something that is passed down from one generation to the next. Joshua, he received a legacy. He received a legacy. Look what it says here. It says that, that I will inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Joshua's story doesn't start in Joshua. It actually goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. God came to a man named Abraham and he said, I will make you the father of a nation and I will bring you into a land. And so Abraham received this promise from God. He passed the promise down to his son. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all received this promise from God. And the nation of Israel began to grow, so much so that they found themselves in Egypt in captivity and slavery. And as they were crying out to the Lord, God heard their prayers, raised up a prophet named Moses, sent him to deliver the people from Egypt. And as they're wandering through the wilderness, they get to a place to where because of their hardness of heart and their rebellion, that entire generation is unable to enter into the promised land that God swore to the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then what we read is this in Joshua 1.1, the legacy is passed down and it says, Moses, my servant is dead. That generation has passed. The lineage and legacy has been passed down to Joshua. And now it's Joshua's time to be able to move forward into the promised land. But I want you to know something that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. God made a promise to Abraham and God is fulfilling that promise through Joshua. He made a promise through Isaac and through Jacob and through Moses and now he is fulfilling that promise through Joshua. God is faithful to fulfill his promises and now it's Joshua's turn. It's his moment, it's his time to rise and to go and to inherit the land that God swore to his forefathers. And so what I wanna to do today is I wanna give you three pillars for you to believe in God's promises. Three pillars, think about it like this metal beam in the room right now, what is it doing? It's holding up the ceiling, it's holding up the roof, it's probably holding up the rest of this building, amen? Because what, it's load bearing. When we're looking at the architectural renderings of this new building, there, there's a wall that's made completely out of concrete. It's a load-bearing wall. If you remove that wall, the entire building is gonna collapse. It's the same thing with these three principles that we're gonna see as we read Joshua 1 through 6. If you remove one of these, the pillars of faith are going to begin to crumble and collapse. But if you keep them, if you hold on to them, if you make them central and the centerpiece and the focal point of your faith, then you're gonna have pillars that hold Hold up God's promise in your life. So I want to give you three pillars for you to hold on to God's promises. The first thing is this. The first thing is that he is good to us. Do you believe that God is good to us? How does the saying go? God is good all the time and all the time. There we go. Some of y'all been in church before. Here we go. It says this, Moses, my servant is dead. Now listen, this doesn't look like it's starting off very good, does it? I mean, that's the beginning of this story. Moses, my servant, is dead. That, that doesn't look like it's starting off very good. And some of you might be in a situation right now where you're like Joshua, where it just doesn't look good. It doesn't seem good. Moses, that's his leader. That's his prophet. That's his pastor. That's his, 
mentor, that's his best friend. And his call and his commissioning starts with this, the death of Moses. At that moment, it doesn't look good. It doesn't seem good. But I want you to understand something. In your life, if you're in a place right now where it doesn't look good, doesn't seem good, doesn't feel good, it means that God's not done yet. If it's not good, then God's not done. If you're in a place where you're looking around and it feels like there's discouragement, it feels like you're defeated, it feels like everything is up against you, I want you to understand something. If it's not good, then God's not done yet. Our God wants good for us. Our God has good for us. He has good plans for us. He has a good purpose for us. And if we find ourselves in a place where it's not good, that just means God's not done with you yet. This is why we're having baptism Sundays today, because it reminds us that God has more in store for us, that this is just the beginning of many of your stories. Some of your stories, you're coming from a place of addiction, or you're coming from a place of, of abuse. Maybe you're coming from a place of, of dire straits. Maybe you reached the place of conversion because there was another friend who was inviting you and telling you about the goodness of God in your life. And you were like, I want some of that goodness of God in my life. And so you made a decision to follow Jesus. You have another 50 years ahead of you. And if you find yourself in a place where you're looking around and you feel as if it's not good, I want you to know that God's not done with you yet. Joshua is going to see amazing things. Joshua is going to see miracles that no one has ever seen. As we study through the rest of the book, what we're going to see is we're going to see the walls of Jericho collapse. We're going to see the Jordan rivers open up. We're going to be able to see battles and victories. We're going to see the sun stand still. We're going to see the pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And we would never have seen those things if Joshua would have gave up in chapter one, verse one. Don't give up at the beginning of your story because God has more in store for you. I want you to hold on to this. God is good to us. God has good for us. And if in this moment it's not good, that just means God's not done. Don't give up yet. The second thing I want you to see is this, is that he is also generous to us. This is the way that you interpret the Bible. How many of you ever kind of struggle to read the Bible for yourself? You read a portion of scripture and you're like, what does that mean? I don't really understand it. How do I know what the key verse in this section is? Here's how you discover what a text is about. You look for repeating words, a repeating pattern. You look for certain words or phrases that show up multiple different times. And as you read through this section, what's the word that shows up over and over again? It's this word right here, give. It says this, I will give you the land. You will go into the land that I am giving to them. Every place the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to what? Give to them. I want you to know that God is the greatest giver. He will be generous to us because that reflects the nature and character of God as a father that God is generous and God is the greatest giver that there is. I want you just to think about what God has given to you. Sometimes we, we focus more on what we don't have than what we have received. And what that does is it, it creates a negativity when God wants us to have an attitude of gratitude, that everything in this world that we have is a gift from God. James says that, that everything we have is a gift from the Father above. So I want you just to think for a moment, 
What has God blessed you with? What has God entrusted you with? What has our generous gift-giving God given to you? He is, he's given us this earth, amen? Do you like the planet earth? Okay, it's the only planet we got, so we better take care of it. Do you like planet earth? Okay, I like planet earth, okay? Uh, how, do, you like, do you like breath in your lungs? Did you like waking up this morning? Do you like hearing birds sing? Those are all gifts that come from God. Creation is a gift that comes from God. Do you like, do, do you like the stars at night? Do you like being able to feel the breeze across your face? Do you like going to the beach? Those are all great gifts that come from our God. Do you like having a roof over your head? Do you like having a little change in your pocket, a little bit of money to spend? The Bible says that the silver and gold belong to mine. So that's God's. He's trusting you with it. You're welcome. That's a gift that he has given to you. Everything we have is a gift. Your marriage is a gift from God. Your singleness is actually a gift from God. I know you don't think it is, but it actually is. And for those of you who are married, who want to be single again, that is not a gift from God. That is a curse from the devil. Amen. (laughs) Your children are a gift from God. This church is a gift from God. Your job is a gift from God. And for those of you praying for a new job, that job will also be a gift from God. Everything we have to him whom all blessings flow. He is the generous, great gift giving God. But those are all things that are available to everyone, the common grace of God. But there is a special grace that is also applied to us as Christians. Here's what Jesus says, give and it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over with good measure for with the measure you use will be measured unto you. How does he start that? He says, give and it will be given unto you. When you give your life to Jesus, then you receive additional bonus blessings that come from God. He gives you salvation. He gives you hope. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. He gives you redemption. He gives you mercy. He gives you a new life that you could never earn. He gives you the deposit of the Holy Spirit in your heart to seal you in your salvation. He gives you supernatural spiritual gifts so you can serve others and make a difference in this world. I'm still going. He gives you a new nature. He gives you a new purpose. He gives you a new destiny. He gives you a new community. He gives you a new legacy. He gives you eternal life both now and forevermore. He gives you everything. And the greatest gift God gives is he gives you himself. Imagine that. You get God because he is the greatest giver. Just consider everything that God has given to us. He is the greatest giver in the world, which means we have to know that we can't outgive God. Go ahead and try. God will not be indebted to no one. We cannot outgive God. God is telling Joshua, I will give you this land. And now Joshua, I want to see you move forward into that land that I am giving to you. Go ahead and try to outgive God. You cannot outgive God because he is the most generous. And right now, redemption, we are a testimony of this statement that you can't outgive God. So let me go ahead and just share with you what God has been doing over the last, over the last week in our church. When I found out that we needed to raise $60,000 in just a short window of time, I'll be honest with you, I was a little nervous. <laughs> I was like, are we gonna be able to do this? Because I know there's many people who give faithfully to our church, but when I'm adding up the offering, I'm like, yeah, this is not coming out of our general fund. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to take up special offering. And so here's what we did. I called for a fast. On first Wednesday night, at the beginning of August, you remember we called for a fast as a church, a three-day fast. 
And we spent three days just praying and believing that God was gonna do a miracle in our church. And at the end of the three-day fasts, nothing happened. So I was like, okay, God, I believe that you hear and answer every prayer, so you must have something really good for us. And then that Sunday, what happened was I went and was invited to go speak at another church. My friends over at First Baptist Church in Groves, they actually gave us $5,000 towards the new building campaign. So I was like, all right, come on. Uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're less than 10%, but we're making it. And then I met with a missionary the, the, the next day. And as I'm sitting there talking to the missionary, I feel the Lord lay it on my heart to give him $4,000. And so I said, okay, well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you $4,000. And so now we're down to $1,000. But what does Jesus say? Give and it will be given unto you. So I received five, gave four away. And then the following week, we had a church planter from Nashville come and lead worship for us. As I'm sitting there in service, I feel like the Lord lays it on my heart again. Give that man $5,000. And so I was like, God, I just gave this away. And now you want, and, and so, and then God spoke to me and said $5,000. So during worship, I ran the back. I cut him a $5,000 check. We jumped up on the stage, blessed his church plant with it. So now we're 9,000 in the hole. Well, that opened up a wave of generosity for us as a church. And through that wave of generosity, the day after I gave that to him, I got a phone call. Another person who was baptized, they pitched in $10,000. Another family pitched in another $7,000. And I just have to keep a tab of what God has been doing. Just listen to what God has done in our church over the last two weeks. So we see that we have, a, we have one family who gave 10, another family that gave seven, a local church gave 10,000, another church gave $10,000, CMN, the church multiplication network that we're a part of, pitched in 20,000, another church pitched in 5,000, anonymously 1,000 showed up, 5,000 came in online just from my Be Bold birthday post on Facebook, a church that I've never met in Maryland called, he gave us $2,000, and by the end of the week, we gave away 9,000 and God has given to us in the last two weeks towards our new building campaign. In two weeks after fasting and praying, God has blessed us with $87,000 towards the church. Come on, let's go. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? That's why Jesus says, give and it will be given unto you. Some of y'all waiting for God to give to you, but he says, give first and watch me open the heavens over your life. Give and it will be given to you. You cannot outgive God. I'm telling you, he is good to us and he is generous to us. But the last thing that I wanna show you today is this, is that he will be gracious to us. As Joshua is getting ready to inherit the promised land, I have to think that in the back of his mind, he's remembering all the promises from the book of Deuteronomy. Because Joshua was a young man during that time. He was one of the young men who was spared. When the plagues went over Egypt and the blood was over the doorpost, Joshua was a young man during that time. As the firstborn son of Nun, God spared his life. And as he's wandering through the wilderness, God speaks and he gives a promise in Deuteronomy. This is what he says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. 
The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasure possessions. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and he is keeping the oath that he what? Swore to your fathers. It's the same line that Joshua heard in Joshua 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6, God speaks the same word. I swore this to your fathers. I am faithful to fulfill my promise. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. He redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, faithful who keeps his covenant promise, his steadfast love to those who love him and keep his commandments to what? to a thousand generations. That is a legacy. Joshua has received a legacy and it's Joshua's time to leave a legacy. But I want you to understand that the key to receiving and leaving a legacy is receiving God's grace. Abraham was unable to enter into the promised land because Abraham, he sinned. It was the sin that separated him from receiving the promise of God. Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, because of their sin, they did not enter into that promised land. So the legacy passed from generation to generation down to Moses. And because of the hardness of their hearts and the rebellion of the people, the Israelites were unable to enter into the promised land because sin separated them from God's plan for their life. And so then Joshua comes in after Moses' death and God gives that promise to Joshua again. And Joshua is able to lead them into the promised land. This is God's goodness and generosity and his grace that is extended down to us. That word right there, covenant, it's the Hebrew word hased, which means the loving kindness of God. Or as the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it, that many of you are gonna go home and read to your kids. It is the never ending, the never giving up. It is the always and forever kind of love. That is the love that God has towards us. It's not because we're perfect, it's because he is. It's not because there is anything within us, but it's because of his nature and character and the goodness of God. It's not because we were the best, but it's because he is the greatest. That's the reason that he loves us, that he saves us, that he delivers us, and that he chose us. This is nothing more than the grace of God applied to the life of his people. As we get to the end of the book of Joshua, his story ends and he passes down the torch to another. In Judges chapter two, the story picks up one more time and here's what it says. After the death of Joshua, the son of Nun, the nation of Israel fell into disrepair. And anyone did what was right in their own eyes. And for another thousand years, there was disruption, chaos, and there was death within the nation of Israel. And so God being faithful to fulfill his promise, he sends someone better than Joshua. He sends another Joshua. He sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus' name is Yahweh saves Yeshua or Joshua because Jesus is the greater Joshua for our lives. And where we have failed, Jesus succeeds. And where we have gone astray, Jesus comes as the way, the truth, and the life. Where we have failed, Jesus comes to fulfill that promise on our behalf. He seals the covenant now and forever so we, the people of God, can inherit the rest and the promise and the land that God has sworn to the forefathers. It is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He will be good to us. He will be generous to us. 
and he will be gracious to us. And so here's how I wanna close. For those of you who are being baptized today, it talks here about them crossing the River Jordan. Do you know where Jesus was baptized at? The River Jordan. Jesus is our greater Joshua. And as Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, you're taking this step today to be baptized, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so I wanna share with you as you're making this decision, some of you didn't sign up for baptisms, that's okay. But as I'm preaching right now, God is laying it on your heart that it's time for you to trust and to believe in him, that he has good for you, that he is generous towards you. He wants the best for you and he will be gracious to you. He will forgive your sins. And right now, as I am preaching, faith is stirring in your heart. The light switch of faith is going off inside of your soul. And I want you to be obedient to that call. And so even if you did not sign up for baptisms, we give you permission to do so right now. We have t-shirts in the back. We have shorts in the back. We have towels in the back. We have a photographer. A whole church is here to celebrate with you. And there's even popsicles outside. I mean, we got everything covered for you. There is no excuse for you to not follow Jesus through baptisms today. And so if you wanna be baptized in just a moment, I'm gonna go ahead and release everyone who's being baptized. But just as God says to Joshua, I will give you the land, Joshua has to walk it out. And just as God has given you salvation, we still have to work out and walk out our salvation in grace. And so let me give you five ways for you to walk in grace. First is this, if you're taking notes, write this down. Grace is not a gift that we receive. Grace is a gift that we receive, not achieve. You can't earn it, you don't deserve it, but it is available for you. And all you have to do is say yes to Jesus. The second thing is God gives more grace when we need it the most. You will never run out of grace. He is an inexhaustible well of grace. And the more you need it, the more God gives it to you. Grace is not to be, grace is to be used, it's not to be abused. Just because God gives us grace doesn't mean we have to waste it. We don't just wake up one morning and say, well, God's gonna forgive me, so I might as well go do whatever I want today. No, because we know that God loves us, it is a joy for us to follow after him. And so we don't abuse the grace that God has given, but instead we use the grace that God gives. Number four, if you have been shown grace, then you must show grace to others. We're looking around the church right now. Redemption Church is not a perfect church, but we are a church who serves a perfect God and we're making progress together. And so if you've been shown grace, then we must be a church that is willing to show and extend grace to others. And the number five, God's grace is bigger than our mistakes. You might be here today and you think you've messed up, you've done too much, you've ran too far, but I want you to know you cannot outrun the loving kindness of God. You cannot outrun the never giving up, the always forever, the never ending kind of love. You cannot outrun the chesed of God. You cannot outrun his goodness. You cannot not outrun his graciousness and you cannot outrun his generosity. For as high as the heavens are to the earth, that's the God that we serve. That by him, to him, for him, through him, all things have been made. He will find you, he will love you, he will bless you, he will change you, he will save you, he will restore you, he will reconcile you and he'll bring you back into relationship with him. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we believe in. That's the God of the Bible that we teach. That's the God that I know, that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. He will do it in your life. And so here's my last thought as I wrap up this message, is that if he was faithful then, he will be faithful today. 
If you're taking notes, write that down. If he is faithful, then he will be faithful now. Here's what, here's what the Bible teaches us in Romans 15, four. For whatever is written in the former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The story of Joshua is for your encouragement. The story of Joshua is for your instruction. The story of Joshua is so that we as a church, we might have hope because if he was faithful then, he is faithful now. If he could do it then, he can do it now. If he can do it for Joshua, he can do it for you. If he can do it in their life, he can do it in your life because this is the God that we serve. He was faithful. He is faithful. He will be faithful. He was good. He is good. He will be good. He was generous. He is generous. He will be generous. He was gracious. He is gracious. He will be gracious. If he was faithful then, he will be faithful to you today. And so let me share with you as a church what our total in-person offering was for today. Somebody can do some math because I, I already forgot. What's the grand total? Trevor's coming up here. Is this the grand total? This is what we've raised since. This is the grand total. Okay. So based on your giving today and the giving that has come in, your, your total today was this, 21,377. Won't he do it? Come on. Wow. This is the total for today, which means this is the grand total in two weeks of generosity. Come on, throw that up there. Oh, we're buying the building. Come on, won't he do it? Won't he do it? You know why? Because he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He didn't bring you this far to fail you. He is faithful. What was he yesterday? Faithful. What is he today? Faithful. And 20 years in the future, what's he going to be? Faithful. 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 Our God is faithful. Come on. Won't he do it? Won't he do it?